0: Queerness is more than just who you're having sex with. Queerness is more than who you're attracted to. Queerness isn't going against the grain and and normalcy, right? And like being Black is queer, you know? Like that, that it's like this idea that queerness has to look, look and be and act a certain way.
1: and allies and welcome to another episode of bisexual behavior. My name is Talia Cass, and I'm so excited to share today's interview with you. I had the pleasure of speaking to Jamella Anderson and if you're from the capital region in New York you know that Jamella is a really uh, big deal. They were on the cover of Time magazine, they started Free Food Fridge Albany, they just started their own thrifting business and are making their own clothing and we had a really great conversation about so many different things related to all the work they're doing, talking about representation. Presentation and um, coming to terms with their queer identity and, and gender identity, and it's such a powerful conversation. Um, I will say we did record this during Pride Month when I was originally planning on launching. I think the conversation still definitely applies to now, but just wanted to give you a heads up because we do talk about Pride a little bit. Thank you to everyone who's listened to the first two episodes. Um, I have some more interviews that are ready for you, and I just can't wait to share them. But thank you again for listening and supporting, and uh, without further ado, here's Jamel. So Jamela, thank you so much for joining today. I'm so excited to have you and happy Pride Month. What a great happy way pride to Month. what a great way to celebrate pride. I'm so <laughs> yes. excited. So you describe yourself as a doula, you're a yoga teacher, you're an abolitionist activist. Why don't you tell me more about what you do? Um, we can do some introductions. Uh, feel free to follow my format. So my name is Talia. My pronouns are she, her. I am a bisexual queer woman. Um Yeah, that's me, so
0: how about you? Um, I am also um, a queer person. Um, I am a queer non-binary person. And I have been grappling with what feels good for me as far as my pronouns the past few weeks. And I feel like with people that I don't really know well, they them feels better and more, you know, just for folks I don't really know, who are not close to me and she, her for folks who are a little bit closer. I'm not offended at either one, but I really am trying to work in they, them a little bit more because it does just feel a little bit better.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, no, good to know. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so you were on the cover of Time relatively. Yes. Maybe was it 2020 or 2021?
0: It was 2021.
1: That's awesome. Can you share a little bit about that experience?
0: Yeah. So I created like the Albany version of the Free Food Fridge Project, which there have been many different versions all around the country, even the world. And so I had been told about the idea from a few different friends who knew I was trying to get into some like getting into the world of food insecurity and like how, I like where I kind of fit into that because I've been doing fundraising um, for a while. I've raised like quite a bit of money. Uh, actually, I actually have a fundraiser going right now through shirts that I'm raising for a few local organizations, including my own. Um, so I'll give you the link to that. Uh, awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> just so maybe you can share when you're promoting or something, but
1: yeah, absolutely. How long is that going on for?
0: It's going on for a week. So it may not work in this actually, now that I say it out loud, gotcha. Um, but it's like Wednesday to Wednesday so it'll end next Wednesday. So yeah, I I started the project and I because I was raising money through mutual aid, I was, you know, trying to figure out a way that would be a little bit more sustainable as far as going beyond just like people wearing shirts and having stickers that say Black Lives Matter on them, which is obviously is important, but is and can be a little bit performative and not that not to say that everybody who is buying buying things like that or you know, donating to the causes that we have are being performative, but there is a layer of performativeness that comes with that, even for myself. And so, the Free Food Fridge Project for me kind of came out of that. Whereas I was like, okay, well, what is an actionable step we can take towards fighting food insecurity, towards calling in all the community aid that we have, and sharing uh, resources and f- and funds um, to serve as reparations and just as a way to support other community members who might be lacking. And then somehow, Time Magazine like got a hold. Of it. Um, wow. I don't know. I think it was just a research that of different projects that had come out during the pandemic. And it was actually supposed to be put out for for April of last year. And I forget what April is, like what the you know, like every month has something. Yeah. Uh, I forget what what April is, but March is women's history month. So basically they com- they contacted me and the turnaround time was like two weeks. So like they got me they've sent a photographer they sent a journalist they had interviews with people they had to like fact check a lot of information it was quite a wild ride in a very short amount of time yeah i it was it's, it's still surreal i actually have a like a an acrylic hard copy of it on my wall and it is very strange to Like, it just doesn't feel like it actually happened, but like, I look at it and I know that it happened. Yeah, Yeah, I can't imagine
1: um, experiencing that. Just even seeing somebody from, you know, the local community being on the cover of Time was crazy, but to feel like-
0: Albany, New York on the cover of the magazine. So like, that's even, it's just really crazy.
1: (laughs) Well, congrats for that, even though it was last year, but that's still incredible. I mean, I'm like
0: that, That I will, I will be on a high for that, on that for the rest of my life. (laughs) As you
1: should. (laughs) Absolutely. Do you feel like that changed your activism and how people got involved in the work that you do? I I do. It it
0: did add like a little bit of celebrity to me that I wasn't really like prepared for. So people definitely started to like treat me a little bit differently in spaces where they often didn't really like think twice about me being in. Um, so I had, a I had some people kind of like coming up to me a little bit more often and people like saying like, Oh, you're a celebrity or, Oh, wow. Look who it is. Like all these like weird things that people say. And I'm just like, I'm just reg, You know, I'm just like regular. I'm not like famous or anything. I just like this really insane thing that I'm really proud of happened. But you know, it it gave me, it gave eyes on me in like several different ways. So it was like that where people were like really excited and were like fangirling over me. And then there were people who like were against me because of the recognition I got. And then there was the people who actually know me who like helped me get to that point. And so it was like a lot of mixed emotions and like, ultimately, like, I'm just happy that I was able to represent a community of people that is often underrepresented and I'm not to speak for anybody other than myself. But, um, if I were a kid and I saw someone in the area who looked like me on the cover of a magazine, that was like time where, you know, presidents are on the cover. I, I don't know. It would have done a lot for me as a little kid. It would have allowed me uh, an opportunity to, to reach farther than I felt I could. So if I at least touch one child, even just my little brother, uh, who's 11, like he said, he was proud of me. And that's honestly all I ever needed. <laughs> he said he was proud so I'm like okay
1: that's all I yeah, need. That's, that's it, it. That's, that's all you it. need <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> forget the other people as long as your your brother is happy <laughs> yeah.
0: but I, I do want to say also just like I did mm-hmm. get a lot of really positive recognition I had a lot of like um, my teachers reaching out from elementary school like a lot of people really like I would say a lot more people were positive and happy and excited for me than weren't and so I'm, I'm really lucky that I was able to do that and to be um, connected to a lot of f- folks still
1: Yeah. And, you know, very importantly, it also, you know, brought awareness to what you're doing with the Free Fridge Albany. And, you know, I think that's important. It probably brought in a lot more donations and just people who are interested in helping and maybe even organizations. Yeah. A
0: lot more people definitely interested in helping and like, not even like monetarily, but just like actual food that people were bringing in. So Hopefully people will continue to keep doing that because the post pandemic, which we're still in it, but the semi post pandemic stuff has definitely hurt a lot of businesses. And, and, and we do need more people to kind of like help us. So I'm hoping that a lot of these things that we're doing, will be able to kind of Get reach other people who might want to (laughs) help
1: yeah that's a good point because I feel like now that people think we're kind of out of the pandemic even though we really are I think people have forgotten about all the things that still need to happen to keep people with jobs and food and people are still dealing with food insecurity and you know I think people forgot because now it's like oh we can go outside we don't have to wear masks you know right
0: right yeah especially when it's warm and yeah
1: But now, so you're doing a little bit more thrifting, which I find super interesting. I was like looking at your account. How did you get into that? It almost feels like it's inherently queer in a way, thrifting. I don't know why. It's funny. I think it is like, there's
0: all these like markers of things that I like, I'm like, I'm not the only, I'm not, I know I'm like, no, I'm not the only one, obviously. But I'm like, it definitely is like, I'm like. Oh, wow. Especially like when I'm out thrifting, I'm like, wow, there's so many queer people here. Um, and it's like, it's just like a funny thing to to notice. And I'm like, okay, like, is this a good thrift store? And then I like look at everybody around and I'm like, okay, yes. <laughs> like we're all in the same vibe, but I, I don't want to say I'm a hoarder because that's an actual thing that people have. And that's not, I don't want to like joke about that, but I am, I do have a lot of stuff. Uh, and I have, I hold on to clothes as memories. I grew up as like, you know, I grew up like lower income with like my parents and luckily had support from like my grandparents to help and where they couldn't, but, you know, still grew up pretty poor. And like the idea of thrifting to me was always one of those things where it made me feel like we didn't have enough money. And it was almost like a reminder of that. And so I kind of stayed away from it for a really long time. It felt like uh, there was like a negative connotation to people who thrifted because it meant that mm. you're poor. It was sort of like signaling that you were poor. And that was something that I wanted to be as far away from as possible. There's a lot of things that I recognize about even things that I eat, like I don't like to eat still because it reminds me of growing up poor. So thrifting was one of those things. And like, as I got older, I started understanding the values in not buying new clothing and actually mm. like going to a thrift store, like I find stuff that people have never worn from the eighties, from the nineties, sometimes from the seventies, sixties and forties and fifties. And you know, it's, it's really insane what you can actually find. And it's almost like a piece of history. So that's sort of like a side, a sidebar. Right. Uh, but when I started now, I, it actually just started because I, I started like selling off clothes that I had in my closet and people would buy them and it was nice. And I'm like, I think I was trying to get like rid of some stuff And then after a while, I was like realizing that people are like reaching out to me about certain things about certain items and like people like my style and then I was trying to get rid of a bunch of stuff and then like when I tried to sell it I realized I could be like buying clothes for people who like often don't feel like they can find clothes for themselves. I was shopping for myself where I often, f- I feel like I don't ever find clothes that I really like. And when I thrift, I'm able to find and dive into a whole other world of clothing. And then I just started buying like more queer clothing as I came out. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, when I as, I as I started to get rid of that stuff I noticed a lot more like queer people um, coming after myself. And I noticed a lot of people who like often can't find clothes that they like in the store I find clothing of all sizes, from small to extra large to X3X, and I like realize that there really is a, a market for doing it if I'm shopping with the intent to to shop for people who just feel like their clothing isn't a reflection of them or that they're not represented in the clothing that they find or in the vintage stores that they find. Um, because like, it's all very small. I'm sorry. I'm like kind of jumping all around. Oh no, you're totally fine. Yeah, no, you're
1: perfect. Um, Yeah, Um, no, I think you make a really good point because I feel like it's, first of all, it's so overwhelming to go to a thrift store and look at all the clothes and be able to kind of find what works for you. And the other thing that I really admired about Little Thrift Maw is that you are focused on like genderless clothing and being size inclusive. And I often feel like that's harder to find in general even if you're looking at different you know people who thrift cuz um, my mom actually she would sell vintage clothing and even then it was kind of the same sizes of things or you know they all were dresses and very you know feminine but there was nothing right. that could be more androgynous or just something that's for any gender right. Right.
0: so i think that's yeah. so
1: important yeah. And it was like, I remember very specifically one day I was like
0: cleaning out a bunch of my stuff and then I sold it and I was like, I should just keep doing this. And then I like would go to the store and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like have a few things here and there. And then I like started going to estate sales and it it really like snowballed very fast mm-hmm. and I've only done, I've probably done like five markets at this point and I've been selling stuff online and my partner made a, a website for me. So I've been, I haven't really sold anything through the website, but it's like a nice catalog to like, see what I can, like what I have and what I make. Um, yeah. But I have a lot of people come up to me who are like, I go to these things and I never find anything in my size. And like, I can wear anywhere from a medium to an extra large and, and like, I can go to any store really, I can go to pretty much any store and find anything in my size. And so I like, uh, when it comes to thrift and vintage, it it like really is not inclusive. And it's not that the clothing isn't there. It's that people aren't shopping and buying that clothing or seeking it out. And if they do, it's clothing that who like, you're like, who would want to wear that? So it's like, when I'm shopping, I'm actually shopping for all sizes. I'm shopping for things that I'm like, how can I visualize this? And something that really helps me is like, imagining the clothing on certain people so, like certain friends of mine, I'll like in my brain, I'll like pick an outfit out for them that I think would look good on them. And then it, man, it's so validating when they come and they buy that thing that I like thought of them when I bought, you know? Um, so that's really fun. But oh, that's the last cool. I did, I had multiple people come out to me who were like just mid sized, you know? They weren't even like, They weren't anywhere. They weren't like an extra large or, or, you know, higher. It was just, it was really wild to me that I'm like, you should, You this should be like easy for us. Like this should be easy for all of us, no matter what the hell size we are, but you're seeking me out because you feel that you feel safe shopping with me. And I'm like, that is really important. And like, that's something that I found through yoga that people often really liked about me is that I don't fit into the archetype of a yoga teacher that people often see like publicized or even just in this area. So it's like all the things I do, it's like, I'm aiming to be the thing that they don't see. I'm aiming to be the representation that we need because I don't see a lot of other people who do what I'm doing in Albany being inclusive in this way. And it's it's frustrating because I go to I go to a market and then it's like, everyone's got a size zero to a size six and, like, the vintage version of that is, like, way smaller than what we consider those sizes now, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, it's just, like, the variety isn't there, and so I find myself seeking out things where I see a gap, and that's, like, kind of where I've, it has, like, led me to a lot of the things that I do now, is, like, and then with, and then, and then on top of that, being queer (laughs) is, like, really the biggest thing, and, like, making an inclusive thing for me like I hate the word inclusive because like it, it's like frustrating because like what does it mean anymore really and it's like it should just be the norm right and that's not yeah. the case so you have to say inclusive and it just I don't know it just frustrates me that I feel like I'm always having to be the one or or one of the few and it's just like I really would I really hope that in the things that I do that I inspire others to be able to step up especially the young queers like I see so many young queer people doing things, and I just hope that they stay with it because, like, man, it's really hard when you're like the only one doing it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you make some really excellent points, especially with representation and even so with thrifting. I feel like it's the same type of person who's finding all you know all the types of clothes, and that's what leads to only having small sizes or only having one right. style of thing. And um, even so buying like,
0: stuff that's just for them. So if they're small, they're buying it right themselves. But it's like. I'm a, I'm a size where people who are smaller than me can wear my clothes and it's not super big and I can be, I'm the size where someone who is larger than I am can wear my clothes and it won't be super tight. So it's like, I'm like, I can just sort of like, because I just, I don't wear any clothing that has a size a lot of the time. And so like, if I'm shopping for myself, just by nature, I'm shopping more inclusively. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to try it on to see how it looks you know?
1: Yeah. And that makes it a little bit, you know, easier to shop with like thrifting and all of that, because again, it just feels like it's so overwhelming. You don't know what to look for. And again, it's the same type of people. Do you find that, um, people are generally accepting in the thrifting community or, you know, or does it seem kind of competitive? What is that space like, especially as a queer person?
0: Yeah. I often am the only black person. So there's one part of it. Um, Yeah. I don't know what everyone's like sex, like sexual identity is and how they identify necessarily. I do often find myself being the only queer person. I don't feel that it's super competitive, but I do appreciate the fact that like the market I'm doing, the Albany twilight market, uh, the person who who hosts that she really aims to try to not make it competitive between people. So like, there's That's only cool. like one or two of someone like similar. So like, I know this this one, she has like a couple more clothing people and that's great, but I'm like, oh, like I know there's gonna be a couple more vintage people this time. So I'm gonna bring more of my like made stuff and I'm gonna bring mm-hmm. more of like my, the stuff that I like to make versus like only my vintage and thrift. So like, I think that there could be competitiveness, but ultimately the more we're all doing it, the bigger the community is, the more variety and the more it keeps it growing. So like at this moment in time, I don't feel a lot of competition, but again, I also... I'm not in competition with anybody. Like, who do I have to be in competition with? True. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just I can be very competitive, but I don't like to be. And I don't want to because I'm just like the more people who do it, the more normal it becomes. And then, you know, we're able to collaborate in all these really beautiful ways.
1: That's great. How do you see little thrift on growing? Do you see yourself going to more markets or you know, do you have like a goal in mind? Um, I think that
0: I just want to keep like producing clothes and learning how to make clothes for all genders and for and non-genders and all bodies like that's really like where I'm where I'm headed because I started my partner Johnny got me a sewing machine for Christmas and that's like basically when I started doing any of this yeah and then when I was starting to make my own clothes and I started getting blankets and comforters and like these old like vintage textiles to work with it like really merged both sides of my business And so I just hope to keep growing in that direction and to keep connecting with people. And yeah, I don't know if I ever want, I'm very against having a brick and mortar for everything I do. So I Mm -hmm. like, don't want to do that um, because I like the idea of mobility, you know I like to be able to uh, go around and like meet new people in different areas and just like keep it always expanding in that way.
1: Yeah. And plus, I mean, you can always sell things online. I feel like there's so much more accessibility with just buying things when you're remote, which is cool. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So I'm going to change gears a little bit. I kind of want to learn more about your queer journey. And I, for, I meant to ask you my big warm up question is um, what is the queerest thing about you?
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> it could be anything. It doesn't even have to be that queer. It could just be something funny to you, you know?
0: Okay. I, this is really funny. This is such a hard question. <laughs> I know. What's the queerest <laughs> thing about me that I didn't know I was queer <laughs>
1: That's that probably. is the best answer I've heard. <laughs> that, that is, yeah. So tell me more about that. What? How did you find out you were queer? What was that journey like?
0: <laughs> I'm like, I, I that's like what kept going off in my brain. I'm like, that is it. Is that that's I didn't know I was queer? The queerest um, thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow. So I'm trying to think of like the the single point, but it's like once you like one day you're like, okay, like I, this is bubbling up, and this is like it, it, it's like. I feel like I'm missing out on a part of myself by not being open with myself first about Mm -hmm. how I feel and my emotions. And like, I feel like everyone kind of went inside for a couple of years because of the pandemic and came out a lot more gay. And I feel (laughs) like that definitely has a part, is a part of it. And just like people sharing more online about their experiences in life. And like, even just like silly memes and being like, oh, like other people feel like that. Oh, like Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one, you know, things like that. And then just having a close knit group of friends who all feel very similar and are at different phases in their own queerness and trying to collect a community of people who are, you know, as you, as you normally do, like, I look around, I'm like, I have a lot of queer friends. How am I the only one that's not queer? Right. Like that's, that that's something that happens.
1: Yeah. And that's that that's what, another about.
0: sign. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, how am I not queer? And then the feelings that I have towards people where I always felt like I I always used to say like I like all people like Mm -hmm. I like all and I I didn't know what that meant when I said that and so as I started getting older I was like even even coming into being non-binary just like understanding I never felt either or you know I Mm -hmm. always felt everything I always felt all things at all times and so it was very chaotic and confusing for me like try to pick that apart as a kid and so i never did and then you grow up you start to hit puberty and like you're socialized to well i you know i present as a woman so i'm socialized as a woman and and now i have now i have to have a boyfriend now i have to go after boys or now i have to do this or i have to do that and like i from a very young age was like always like loved queer people and like had queer friends around even when i was like a kid and And just like understanding what that all means now, it makes sense. But Mm -hmm. that sort of like gray area of like 15 years, right? Because I came out like, I'm 31. So I came out when I was 29, I think. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was at a similar age too. I'm 29 now, but when I came out, I would think I was 27. So yeah, very similar, similar timing. So I started having feelings
0: for someone and that was really confusing for me. And they were not like a cis dude. And I, I like didn't understand like what the feelings I was having were and like, but they came on really strong and and this person ended up being very toxic and, um, a narcissist and very, very harmful to myself and my friends Mm. and in that journey where I was like, I'm queer, I feel queer. I like, I'm starting to understand what that means. That person sort of took that, was taking that away from me at the same time and would often throw like my gender identity kind of in my face because at that time I was identifying as a cis woman. Mm -hmm. And so like, it was really, 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 really confusing. And then when you take a step back and I'm like, well, queerness is more than just who you're having sex with. Queerness is more than who you're attracted to. Queerness is going against the grain And and normalcy, right? And like being black is queer, you know, like that, that. It's like this idea that queerness has to look, look and be and act a certain way. And once I was able to, like, my friend always says, "Kill the cop in your head." Once I was able to kill the cop in my head about my queerness and my gender identity, it really just like happened overnight, you know. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like this is something I get to have where. You know, being non binary took me a little bit more to understand once I stepped into that, it, like, because I had, there's a lot of like white queer people who gatekeep that culture, who gate- gatekeep queer culture and non binary culture, which like is all culture, really. And I'm like, people who are like, the representatives for us and I'm like well that's not me so how could I be that or I don't like the way that this person handled this or I don't I don't like the way that they're the way that they speak about certain things or how they speak about certain things and they're like the representative for us and then I was like it seemed like a very white thing to be non-binary but I I, yeah. I know that that's not true but it was like that was the only that was the only um experience I saw was like white non-binary people and then like truly like the internet like friends, growth, my partner who is from California, like my best friends who are all from different places, like the community I created there allowed me to understand what that means for myself and just allowed me the space to kind of go through the yucky to get to the point of where I'm at. So obviously it's not linear. Obviously it's not it doesn't actually happen overnight but when people are accepting of who you are no matter what it like really does make a huge difference but when you don't have representation around you to show you that you can be whatever you want to be and whoever you want to be and those icky feelings don't have to last like if you don't have that then you're going to it it does for me at
1: least it took a long a longer
0: time for me to come into that
1: Absolutely. And especially I think for, you know, people who aren't necessarily gay or straight, if you fit somewhere in the middle, if you're queer, bisexual, pansexual, I feel like it's so hard to understand that side of you and think, well, okay, so I like men. So that must mean I'm straight. But then you just like, don't even see the other, other part because there's just not enough representation or that representation, especially I feel like of queer people has been a little bit problematic. Like you see, it's of people who maybe they're cheating on their partners or they're always right. asking for sons. So that, that kind of thing
0: portrayed and
1: right and
0: then like you see the trope of like a cis white gay man acting like a black woman and so even right. that is like so harmful to see on like mainstream tv and mm-hmm. it's like porn is like a big one where you're just like I don't feel I'm like, like it, I don't see it I don't like and and like all these different ways of where I can find my queerness. I'm like, it all looks like it doesn't look like me and it's Mm -hmm. out there. It's just, I haven't been introduced to it because I live in such a homogenous area and I'm not exposed to, you know, I have to like, everyone walking down the street isn't queer, but you know, there are places where you walk down the street and everybody is just everybody, but here it's like, you don't see it as much. And we're starting to see it more and people really expressing their identity it through their clothing. And 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 there's a lot more things happening for us and like a lot more community engaging happening. And, and it's really beautiful, but it wasn't happening only a few years ago, especially for our age group. yeah. And like, now I go to these events and I'm like, I see my representation in younger people. And I'm like, I feel, I always say I'm in like the teenage stage of my queerness because I don't want to be like an older gay person yet. I'm not there, you know, like I know I'm only 31, but I'm just like, I feel so much older than a lot of these kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to be the older queer. I don't want to be the elder queer, but I'm like, I got to go home at 11 o'clock. I can't be out late, you know, So yeah. I like, am in a way.
1: <laughs> but I still feel like a baby queer, even though I want yes. to go to bed at nine o'clock, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly. a tough place to be in. You're so right. And I'm so happy for, you know, all of the, the Gen Z and the, like younger people who are like, so open with it. They see a lot of representation, right. but it's, it kind of like, it's hard for, I feel like millennials or people our age to look back in that and wish that we had it. And now we're kind of, like you mentioned, we're in our teenage years of being queer. I still feel like very much a baby gay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned a lot how you had like a a queer community, like you have friends that were queer, um, whether you all came out at different times, but for someone who maybe is our age and they have a lot of straight friends or they don't feel like they have a queer community what would you recommend to them if they were trying to kind of figure out their identity and what that would look like
0: um that one's really hard um it it stings because especially living in a place where it's winter a lot of the time like going to bars Mm -hmm. is like really how you meet people yeah but I would like I don't know like here in Albany, there are, there actually are like a lot of spaces that are like a little bit more queer. There are some gay bars around here. um, But like a place like uh, Bard and Baker, for instance, like they have a lot of queer people that work there, um, like queer and trans people all over the place in Albany. But like, there are certain places that we all go and congregate. Bard and Baker is definitely one of them. So like going to a place that like it sort of has so if, for those who don't know what barton baker is it is a like a game like a board game bar and they have food and so like oh. there are a lot of people who congregate there so I think even in just in that like trying to find spaces where things are sort of like community is sort of built into the structure of it so mm-hmm. you could go to a place like that and maybe I know it's hard to go up to people but like just go say hey to someone you know or like hey like what do you do around here or you know that's what I always do but I have the privilege of being very um personable. So like, Mm -hmm. I know that that's not always the case. And, you know, my partner and I always talk about how there's a Venn diagram of like queerness and neurodivergence and like, they oftentimes overlap rather than, you know, it's almost the same circle at times. Yeah. Uh, So like, I know that that's not always the case also, depending on your, like, for me, like I, you know, my neurodivergence comes out in different ways, but like my person, like my, me going up to someone is not really it. I've worked in service a long time. So like, I have that, but if you can work up the courage to just like say, hey, or like search like queer events, just even on Google or like search a queer institution, like uh, Inner On Voices, they're a black and Latino queer space. And like, they always post about stuff that's going on. And so if you can find something like that or like a local pride center or whatever that is, you know, the pride center does that a lot as well. If you can find one of those things that could be a good way to sort of just like step into like seeing what's around, And there's like, I mean, in cities, like Albany's not that big, but there's always stuff going on. So it's just like kind of sussing out like what feels good and what doesn't. Or just yeah. go to the thrift store and find a yeah. queer person who shops. Yes.
1: Yes. It <laughs> may not be run by queer people necessarily, but there's a lot of queer people looking for there's a lot of queer people there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Or you know, you could be like me and start a queer podcast. So you can meet other queer people. Yes. <laughs> that's
0: yeah, what see, I did. But that's what it is. Like you have to, it's like you have to do the thing that you want to do. Like yeah. you have to, you have to be the one to start. And it's like it's frustrating, but it's like. I don't know if you can create community that way and, and and be able to share like, even just like Instagram is like so good for that stuff. Yeah. Um, although it's annoying to have to go to the internet to always meet people, but like it is what it is. And it, it really is a, can be a very harmful place, but can also be a very safe space.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know that I ended up meeting a lot of my queer friends through dating apps and that wasn't necessarily the goal, of course, right. but I, it was the only way I could meet other queer people, especially because I started you know, queer dating and being fully out, like right before the pandemic hit. So my prime, you know, dating time, I was just on dating apps, you know, doing virtual dates with people. And it was, it was hard, but it was a really good way to meet other queer friends. And even if you didn't connect with someone that way, you still had another queer person that you could, you know, connect with, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, definitely. I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So one thing about Pride Month that is, you know, really tough, um, of course, Pride has become like a you know, capitalist holiday and we corporations just basically, you know, try to take our money. But the other thing is that it's become very whitewashed. And it's almost like people have forgotten exactly why we celebrate pride and that it was, you know, started by black trans women. And would you have any recommendation for queer folks and anybody who's listening on how they can better support, you know, uh, marginalized communities or people of color um, within the queer community or just, you know, in general? Um, one thing I would say is uh, like recognize the space that you take up, Mm
0: -hmm. um, and that you don't, I actually was having a conversation with a friend of mine who was talking about someone who in the community who like often is speaking for people who don't share an experience for as him Mm -hmm. and how harmful it can be and just like really checking yourself because like you have to check in and be like okay well like I'm standing up for a group of people that's not here that's being represented in a room or in a conversation where they're not represented and like I can't be the face of that I can't be the voice of that because I inadvertently silence other people who might be in the room who can speak to that experience a little bit better or more um and I would say like reading books on that like finding a book that is written by a black queer person and 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 to really like I wish that I had read more but I mean I don't think I've read any bell hooks which I, I hate to admit and like but that is a great person to read about and read through the eyes of and through the lens of and there are just like so many authors out there that like really offer that sonia renee taylor um people like that i would say read those books and and don't just draw from them in a way where you're like trying to mirror certain things that they do but really read it for the experience that you will never actually have like read it for an experience that you don't share even if you find some similarities and then continue to amplify black black brown trans and queer folks messages again, through the internet, paying reparations, really amplifying voices of the places and that are doing that work that you can't do. Um, find your local organizations and you know all these fundraisers people are always doing. Find places to amplify. So those fundraisers are, are great because you're obviously drawing in money to donate to them, but you also have an opportunity to really show people what those organizations do and what kind of resources that they have. Like people, we should be sharing resources so much more and, and for black and brown people and, and reaching out to folks and, you know, obviously checking yourself. But I also say like the biggest thing for me is like, if you look around and you don't have a lot of black and like, if you don't have a lot of black and brown queer friends and you're in this group, like that's a problem, you know, like Mm -hmm. at, at any group, really, like if you don't see other, if you don't see other experiences represented in your, in your group, that's a huge problem. And, and so maybe identifying why that is and not just seeking out those relationships for the simple fact that they're black or brown, but really seek out meaningful relationships with people who aren't just like you, but who may share similar views and, um, and wants and needs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's some great advice. And how can people support the, the work that you do with, you know, Free Fridge Albany, uh, with Little Frithma, Ma or any other organizations that you support or work with? One thing
0: I think that one way beyond just myself is like offering sliding scale opportunities for black and brown makers and vintage and thrift people for the markets that they're applying to. Like that should be standard worked into it. I have the only one that I've ever actually gotten a discount for was from a queer Latinx person. Um, but that should be worked into everything for everyone, because if you look around at a lot of the markets, there's not a lot of black and brown people, especially the farther away you get from like major cities like New York and, and Brooklyn and, you know, and even then it's a lot of like non black and brown people. Um, me personally, buy my stuff if you like it, <laughs> yeah. share it around the free food fridge, you can always donate. We have a Patreon that's like our, our main source of income to help amplify paying people a living wage and buying produce and that's just patreon.com backslash free food fridge albany you can do that on venmo same thing free food fridge albany and yeah like we always do merch drops going and buying that way and you know repping our stuff we have it in the co-op i've been doing our blm thing that we're doing now um yeah and just like really looking for beyond me going you know stepping further into this world and, and and seeking out other places that are doing similar work as i'm doing who've been doing it for longer who will continue to do it and and really try to spread your wealth around whether it just be a share online or not you know it doesn't always have to be monetarily
1: right um so I'll add all that in the show notes um all the accounts and where people can donate or get involved but thank you so much it was so great to talk to you I've been so excited to talk about queer stuff with you and just kind of learn more about the work you do so this has been awesome
0: yeah, thank you so yeah. much for having me, and I'm I'm really excited to listen to the other ones when they come out. And yeah, um, yeah, I I'm really grateful that you stayed diligent and didn't give up on me. <laughs> oh no, sure
1: I I, I know you're busy, and I was you know happy to be patient. <laughs> no worries at all. And if you know anyone else who might want to be interviewed, I want to talk to all kinds of people. So okay, let definitely. me know if you know anyone. I yeah, will. great. And is so there much. of course? Thank you. Is there oh. anything else you wanted to add before?
0: wrap up oh my handles i'll add yes my yes
1: yes your plug sorry
0: <laughs> uh, well that's okay so my uh my actual instagram where i do a lot of my advocacy and just like sharing and shit talking um <laughs> is at jamella so a uh at jamella j-a-m-m-e-l-a and then at little thrift underscore ma and then free food fridge albany um are all my handles so
1: follow oh, yay thank you again I really love talking to Jamela and I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. Make sure to head over to the show notes so you can uh, check out all those accounts that Jamela mentioned, and you can support all the work that they do. In the meantime, you can support bisexual behavior and help spread the bi agenda by following us on Instagram at bisexualbehavior. You can also uh, support the podcast by subscribing, reading, and reviewing. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at bisexualbehaviorpod at gmail.com. And stay tuned, in two weeks I have another really exciting episode for you in the topic is something that I really love talking about and I can't wait. So thank you again for listening. Um, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye.